Do I love them? War stories. Um, I mean, they're like the same things that happen all over the place in public when you go places and you're like actively transitioning and like stuff's rough except they're teenagers. But also like I'm an adult in their life and they like acknowledge that I'm their teacher most of the time. Um, but also it was a very interesting place, right? Like I was inner city public school, San Antonio. Um, like I just, my favorite stories are like when a kid would say something in a different class because they learned not to say things like to my face because like I don't just take it, right? Um, but they'd say something in a different class and then like some little queer kid that's like got my back stands up and like threatens to fight them in the middle of class. I'm like, see, the kids are all right. Some of them, not the other ones. The other ones aren't <laughs> all right. But um, so like, ah, they're, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed having kids around. I enjoyed getting to be representation for those kids and like support them. And they supported me while I was, you know, transitioning, doing the whole thing. Um, but I mean, you get a lot of stares, a lot of looks. I don't know, things that most like trans girls go through when they start transitioning, you get all the looks just, I don't know. My stares and looks are mostly from teenagers and who cares what they think? They're teenagers, they're children. <laughs> Did you have like a support network within the school? Like was the administration cool with it all? I feel like in Texas, it's probably harder to find that. Um, I would say for the most part, my administration was okay. They could have been a lot worse. Definitely could have been a lot worse. Um, all of them technically supported me. I don't know. I, like, like, Hey, don't, we'll, we'll support you. We got your back. If any parents or anyone says anything, but then like, they also don't go out of their way to actually show any support ever or like really ever talk to me, you know? Um, I mean, isn't that kind of like how it is? It's how it is everywhere. Like it's, you know, everybody in the town I live in, they're like, oh, we're so open-minded. And it's like, as soon as you try to engage with them, like we're open-minded if you stay over there, like please stay, yeah. in, stay in your box, you little weirdo. And, uh, and we're good. Like, okay, thanks. Yeah. There was sort of that attitude. I don't think like some of them were pretty decent and like would like sit down and talk to me. And some of them had a lot of questions that, you know, I just learned to answer, I guess, like answer the questions um some of them would be like like especially my administrators that were women were like yeah we support you go girl whatever right and then like we would never talk but then every time we would be in the same place like they use pronouns right and use name right and they guess like I, they did the things right when we were around each other but they never put themselves in positions really i think to actively be around me very often um did Okay, so, and this is just kind of how I'm envisioning it in my head and tell me how wrong I am. But like, I could just imagine like all the little like junior and senior girls just being like, oh my gosh, she's gonna be, it's like, it's like you be, you immediately become unthreatening. You're like, it's like oh, when they find out somebody's gay, they're just like, oh, latch on, latch on, latch on. Like, is that, is that just, you know idealized in my mind or is that actually like how it is like you get this little like cadre of like supporters that uh <laughs> that realize you're not a threat anymore yeah 100 that definitely oh, of us. <laughs> um well the other fun part is that like even before transitioning i already coached like girls volleyball and girls soccer um so it was like already constantly you know around a lot of like high school girls a lot of the time like I knew I was trans and I knew I wasn't transitioning and I knew that that was a friendlier place for me. Right. Yeah. Um, at that point. And then like, once I came out, they're like, Oh wait, you're like, 
my gay mom or my soccer mom now, right? Like, um, which was great. I loved it. It was amazing. Um, yeah, those kids, those the, the girls definitely had my back and like showed up for me um, a lot. Um, I would say that there were also plenty of other queer teachers at my school. I was not the only trans person at my school, like as oh, a teacher, really? which was pretty great. Wow, um, that's so awesome. I was gotten access. Uh, I was super fortunate that um, I was not the only trans teacher at the school. Um, I do think that in the way um, most trans feminine people uh, attract most of the attention, um, my my coworker, uh, you know, he's great. Uh, like my work spouse, he's fantastic. Um, also, kind of, I felt really bad for him a lot of the time because while my identity was often um, supported or like, you know, I got to be Miss Eubank, right? I got to be um, the soccer mom and like the gay mom and uh, do all of those things. Um, yeah, he got misgendered all the time, right? Because he's transmasculine, right? I'm non-binary transmask person. Um, and I felt pretty like as as wonderful as he is in my life and I've love that guy like great amazing person human being they're wonderful um he's he they pronouns um the students did not treat him the same way as they treated me a lot of the time i think um in that like they supported me a lot more i think or more um often like just acknowledge that i was queer or like transitioning or a trans woman or just a woman period um he just kind of got ignored which kind of really sucked oh why yeah. do you think that is? I didn't think about that until you said it. Like, you're right. Trans feminine people do get a lot more supported attention than the other side. I mean, not all of the attention is great. Um, you also get targeted by, you know, a lot of the the phobes, right? The trans phobes. Um, but uh, I think that I was just a more obvious example. Um, and in the way that... Um, I think that trans feminine people all often, uh, I don't know, we, we just kind of become stigmatized and like, you know, uh, focused on a lot. Um, my friend, he just, uh, it was like, well, you know, you're not really right in quotes or whatever. You're not really, or we can just ignore you or we just see you as like a woman that doesn't know what she's talking about or whatever. Right. Like they just ignored him a lot of the time. And even administration was not great to them about like pronouns and things, just like didn't even try. Um, it was really frustrating. Um, so that being said, I was super fortunate to have them in my life. Um, they're hum like amazing human being, one of my favorite people on the planet, um, got me through a lot of tough times there. But you know, to, like they made my life easier, but I don't know how often like their life was made easier by people at that school. Yeah. It's um Oh, go ahead, Rachel. I was going to say, so I come from a long line of educators, believe that or not. Um, my mom. I believe it. Taught, my mom taught ag ed um, for, shoot, 35 years before retiring. My brother now teaches ag ed. I actually went to school originally for ag ed. Um, so that's, I mean, that's just kind of the family niche. Um and honestly, when you said that you were in education, my first thought didn't run into, um, oh my gosh, I wonder how like the relationship was with the students. My immediate thought was, oh my God, what's the relationship with the parents? Have you had any like, I'm gonna call them parentzillas 
because uh, I could, especially in this political climate that we're in right now, I could easily see it. I'm just curious if you have any nightmares about something like that. Uh, I would say, frankly, I, I was quite fortunate. The parents didn't actively fight me or like to my face fight me about things or um, give me much, much pushback. I definitely knew that there were parents that did not like me or did not approve of me. Um, I know one kid like that was one of my children, right? They're little non-binary kid. They're amazing. Um, kid went to me to talk about a lot of issues and a lot of things. Um, but then often would point out that like their dad couldn't know that like they came to me to talk about things because their dad thought I turned their kid gay and um, like, yeah. So that, that dad, not so great. Uh, mom was all right, but dad was not great. I had another family. Um, I, their kids, I had multiple of their kids, um, taught multiple of their kids. Um, and they're, you know, lovely kids, great people. Um, they're going to grow up and be, you know, awesome human beings that do great things. They're fantastic. Um, their dad would say really not great things about me when I wasn't there, right? Like, I, kids tell you things, right? You find out about stuff. Um, yeah. And they never really did anything to my face because I don't, where I was, that wasn't common, right? People weren't going to show up in your face and like scream at you about things. Um, yeah. And if they complained to administration, administration had to have my back because like in every single, you know, government posting or email or, you know, news thing that they send out, it's always like, our district is, you know, accepting of people of all genders, blah, blah, blah. So they couldn't like not have my back, I think on those, um, or else they would have run into some legal issues, I think. But uh, there were definitely parents that didn't like me, but I was fortunate yeah. that they didn't, didn't really like come at me in person or anything they just kind of avoided me as much as possible yeah i like me myself i transitioned very publicly as well i was a customer i was a customer facing sales rep for at&t so inside at&t store in kentucky again you know not the most open-minded of places similar to texas and honestly like in an environment like that, you see people of all ages. And for me, I never had an issue with kids, whether it be, you know, 10 or whether it be 14, 15, 16, 17, never had an issue. Adults, if someone was going to give me an issue, it was going to be like a 30 to 50 year old man, generally. Like, yeah. Like, Parents, act like your kids. Like, can we just can we just say that? Like, act like your kid. <laughs> Use them as role models. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I really agree with that though. Like, the kids were pretty great, and when they weren't great, they did that privately, and no one like openly gave me issues. Um, the okay, so I I coached also, um, and I would say that where I was, the school that I you know worked in, taught in, coached at. Um, it was inner city public school was pretty great um, for acceptance of me, right? Um, the further away from that school that I went out into the suburbs, the more afraid I was that someone was going to say something or, you know, get on my uh, case about whatever um, or which bathroom I was going to use when I went to coach a game or something, right? Um, where I was, people kind of minded their own business and kept to themselves, uh, which was pretty fantastic. But like, okay, I was in San Antonio 
I went to Alamo Heights, I was a little bit more worried. If you know anything about San Antonio, you might understand that. Like Alamo Heights is the old money part of the town, right? I was a little bit more worried there. And if you went really far out to the suburbs, I was a little bit more worried that people were going to, you know, find something to be angry about. Um, but for the most part, I would say that like the kids were okay. A lot of the kids were fantastic and I miss them and they're, you know, wonderful. Uh, parents were mostly keeping to themselves. They didn't really want to interact with me uh, very often. Some of them were okay. Like they talked to me and they would be fine, especially like um, parents of like girls on my sports teams. They would talk to me sometimes, but like they were supportive and they never made anything a big issue about my gender. Um, did you ever have like... Of- did you ever have any parents like come out like as like super supportive of like anybody who, who was like they heard that you were doing it and was like that's awesome i want to like throw all my weight behind you and um there were like there were the kid or the the parents uh that were by that like i knew that they were by that were pretty great like their kids would tell me um is that like a is that there's like a like a form they feel like hey, by the way all right parents are by yes okay Okay, I'll say it this way. Um, The children of queer people are pretty great, right? And so when those parents are like, hey, um, my parents are queer, so like I immediately love you more now that you're openly queer and I'm going to support you. Um, Then you find out about those parents and then you realize why they're the ones that are always like, they'll stop and say hi and talk to me at the game or whatever. Um, They weren't going out and like fighting for me or protesting or like arguing yeah. with other parents about me or anything but they're like oh hey miss eubank how are you doing what's going on blah 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 and just normal conversations which was pretty great right and they use my pronouns yeah. for the most part and um that's pretty much all i could ask for do you have I why I, I was totally expecting san antonio to just be like the worst of the worst <laughs> kind of like on the same echelon as uh dallas yeah you know I mean, I lump all of Texas into that description. I no, I get the good parts colored in. <laughs> I mean, I would say. Just like, kidding, Texas. Sorry, anybody watching this from Texas. Sorry. I mean, I am very glad that I don't live in Texas anymore. But it wasn't necessarily San Antonio that I hated, right? And Austin's great. Um, I've had some good times in Houston, right? Um, there, the cities are for the most part. I think are okay. They're not okay. like amazing, but they're okay. Um, yeah. Especially like, I think all the cities in Texas lean pretty uh, liberal for some things, right? Um, I can just imagine going like to like Marfa. No. Like, I bet Marfa would be awesome. I got, went out there um, years and years ago, and it was just so like artsy and cultural and just weird. And I was like, I bet this could be a great place to be a trans woman. The and I feel like what you just described with Texas, where like more of like the bigger cities lean more left, like that is literally the definition of Kentucky and Tennessee alike. Um, if I'm in a big city, baby, I'm safe as you can be. Um, but if I am outside of these big cities and I'm like commuting from one city to the other, baby, you better bet that I am looking for that gender neutral bathroom because I'm not putting myself in that situation um find yeah. all the starbucks to stop at right with their one stall bathrooms oh yeah <laughs> oh i mean I, I feel like texas is generally okay except for dallas i'm sorry i will always talk shit on dallas i'm from dallas and um they're not great up there at all <laughs> how about them cowboys even worse 
It's fine. I feel like every Cowboys fan has Stockholm syndrome. Every Cowboys fans aren't from Texas. No. Yeah. I, I, I've met a lot of Cowboys fans from Texas in San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them. Ooh, um, ooh, wait a minute. Before we get too far away from it, am I remembering this correctly, Sarah, that you had one teacher in San Antonio that fully wholeheartedly believed that you were <clears throat> trying to trans all the kids? Yeah, yeah, that was that was a real thing. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't you know it was the COVID vaccine that did it though? I mean, duh. Like that's why everybody started coming out after the COVID vaccine came out. You know, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a coincidence that she was a, a science teacher that did not get the COVID vaccine. Um, and she also thought I was transing the kids um, and turning them gay and stuff. Got to spread that trans agenda. I wish that's how it worked, actually. That'd be a lot more fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, this woman's a science teacher. I'm not even kidding. I don't know how and that the, works. But The kind who's like, in the Bible, pi is exactly three. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, she had she had a few um, questionable viewpoints on some things, um, but yes, no, she definitely did th- think that I was trancing the kids. Not that she actually told me that; she told a student that, and the student came and told me that. So, Oof. which Ooh, I love that kid. Like in high school, <laughs> I love that kid. He was one of my favorite kids ever. Um, super smart, you know. Very like everyone knew he was gay, but also he was like big on the football team and everything which was pretty great like big gay football player in texas i'm like this is amazing i love this kid like that kid's got some some like guts to you know basically be out in texas and that kind of stuff and this woman told him that thinking that you know he wouldn't come tell me right away okay i don't know when people say high school drama the teachers are not exempt oh no it's one of the best parts of the job. You get to find out all the tea um, and do ridiculous things. It's it's good good stuff. Good fun. Wait, 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 wait. Like, what, what kind of what kind of got? Like, are we are we talking about like inner teacher relationships and stuff like that? <laughs> uh, oh, no. I mean, those happen. I dated one of my coworkers once. Um, yeah, it didn't last forever. We're not dating anymore. But you know, I've I've dated a coworker before, another teacher. Um, and then like kids start to ask questions because they figure out like which teachers are suddenly all always around and then they start asking questions and you're like, "Ah." um, but then also like all the drama, like kids drama is fun and you find out about all the weird little like queer dramas that happen and kids want to talk to people about things and, you know, I actually had, okay, so I had one of my former students text me just last week. Um, and Alex, honey, if you're listening to this, I'm totally not talking about you on, um, the internet on a podcast. Um, <laughs> love you. Um, let's say, so she, she totally texted me <laughs> and was like, Yui, that's what most of my kids would call me. They'd be like, Yui. Um, so there's this girl that I work with and she is French and she's definitely queer and we talk and I'm like gay panic right now. And like, yes amazing tell me your gay drama gay panic um and then it's just my job to be like okay have you tried like i don't know talking to her and seeing if she wants to hang out and they're like i can't do it too much anxiety to be like girl she's like the cute french girl why this is like the gay dream what, what's wrong why aren't you talking to this girl um and you know so i get to do that one time i helped uh set up 
um, a kid in my class and another kid that like had a free period and just wanted a place to hang out. And I was like, I knew separately because I knew both of these kids and I talked to them separately that they both had crushes on each other. And so I was like, yeah, you can hang out here. I was like, you can hang out here during your free period, but you have to sit right here because that seat's open, which was conveniently right next to the other kid. And then, you know, I swear to God, before the end of that class period, they were holding hands and like went out to the hallway and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my job here is complete. In my head is the Mike Tyson picture with the two doves. And it's like, now kiss. (laughs) So there's that experience, but then there's me in high school see me in high school I was that parents I was that I was that teacher's kid and so I would have you know that person in class that I was crushing on and I would tell my mom I'm like yo I have a crush on this girl right here and mom would play the wink wink nudge nudge to the girl for me try try and try and be wing mom and the girl I had a crush on is like, yeah, I'm sorry. I just, I don't feel the same way. Oh, and I'm sitting here, yes. I'm like, snap in half, Heart baby. Focus. Snap that shit in half. Uh, well, I'm sorry for that. Um, obviously, Wing get- Mom needed to up her game there on that one. We, we did go to prom together. <sighs> in, in Wing Mom's defense, we did go to prom together. See, it worked out. It's okay. It worked out. I, can I don't know. That. Maybe it's different when it's like little queer drama from the queer teacher, like the uh, everyone's big gay mom at school, right? Um, I mean, I, 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 I can just imagine them in like 20 years being like, oh, it was so, it was just fate. It was Miss Dewey just <laughs> like put us right next to each other. Who would have even thought fate just happened? Oh, no. Oh, oh, like they're going to write on a Facebook post in like 20 years when Facebook's definitely still around. Um, being like, oh, I can't believe that fateful day. When oh, no, I'm there, not that kind of person. I, I did not give fate credit for that one. I brought it up several times and pointed out that the, they started dating after I put them together and they know it. That's um, cute. <laughs> Amazing. It's like being the queer hitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a fun job. It's a fun job. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is stupid. Um, okay, I think we'll we'll switch here to your uh, recent travels and what you went through uh, recently with that travel. Um, with bad timing, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think my timing could be a little bit. Well, there's no there's no good timing for this to happen. Um, I often kind of joke that my timing was a bit suspect here, like. I could have figured some things out better, but um, for the audience that doesn't know, um, we've talked about Texas and I said, I mentioned like, hey, I'm glad that I'm not there anymore. Um, I now live in Hawaii. I live on Maui, which is pretty great. I love this place. Uh, People are fantastic and amazing, Um, but I uh, not so conveniently moved to Maui and actually to Lahaina um, six days before the fires happened. So Um, that's why my timing was a bit, uh, not great, but there's no good timing there, right? Like there's no good timing for a fire to happen that, you know, devastates a town and a community. Um, so yeah, it's been an interesting experience, um, being here and that's, that's my like crash landing on Maui, um, trying to figure things out and piece things together, um, while I can't live in the place that I was supposed to live and yeah, so 
so, that's a very big overview. If you have specifics that you want, were, let me know. Were you when like when the fires happened? Were you were you like at home or were you you were away? Um, okay, so I moved here and I had a rental for like a week and a half because I didn't know where I was going to live when I moved here. I was just like, you know what? We're on an adventure. We'll figure it out when we get there. Um, and uh, you know, so leap of faith, just adventure. Um, so I got here. I was in a rental. I lined things up. I found a place to stay. Um, the place was in Lahaina. Um, it was a very lovely place. Actually, it didn't burn down, but like you can't get there because the entire town is kind of closed off and it has some damage, but it, it's still standing. You know, I guess that's good. Um, but I, could, I hadn't moved in yet because um, so the fires happened on a Tuesday. And then the Saturday after that was the day that I was supposed to move in. So I was still in this vacation rental, this condo. Um, up the coast a little ways uh, in a town called uh, Honokawai. Um, and that's where I spent uh, the fires. You could see them from uh, the walkway outside the door. I was on the top floor, the ninth floor of this like hotel condo complex thing. And you could stand out there and look over and the sky was, well, during the day it was just black with smoke. And then at night it was just orange with flames. Um, it was terrifying. It's one of the most awful things I think I've ever seen. Um, and then I just kind of sat there with no power and no cell signal and no internet. And you just uh, hope that things are going to be okay at that point. Um, and that's how I spent the next three and a half, four days, something like that. Wow. Sitting there wondering. Like, like was your stuff happened. still like in transit, I guess? Or um, So I have a storage unit back in California because I spent a month in California uh, before moving to Hawaii, staying with some family out there. Um, and I thought I would try to live in like Southern California for a little while. Um, and I tried to find a job, but there are not that many social studies teaching positions. And interestingly, now that I've been here, I've gotten like more emails about them needing social studies teachers than I ever got before I moved out here um, because now the school year started and they don't have teachers and they're a little desperate. So they send lots of emails out. Um, but I wasn't willing to wait for that. So I moved to Hawaii anyways. All that being said, I have a whole bunch of stuff in a storage unit back in LA that I was like, you know, if I stay in Hawaii, I'll just send it over. So I didn't really move over here with much. I have a couple suitcases full of stuff. Um, and the apartment that I was going to move into uh, was furnished. So oh, okay. I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm, it's fine. I'll just get something furnished and live there and not have to move a bunch of things. Um, that didn't happen. There's bit of a housing crisis here with an entire town's worth of people trying to find lodging and you know accommodations and stuff and so now I'm in a apartment that is not furnished but that's okay there's a Costco and a Target and we are slowly putting this place together with wallpaper <laughs> with final wallpaper I would be rocking like the mattress on the ground and like beanbag chairs like that would be how I would live <laughs> my mattress was on the ground for a little while i got a, a bed frame yesterday i put it together yesterday so i'm an extra foot off the ground now okay right. I, have, I have a stupid question um, okay. <laughs> um if you go on like amazon can you and you get like a big thing like say like like i got a couch delivered for via amazon can you do that in hawaii uh, so two-day shipping is not a thing. Um, <laughs> I I can still buy things off Amazon and have them sent here. And actually, I think it's the cheapest way to get things here because everything is so expensive. It's 
like everyone knows that Hawaii is expensive because like uh, paradise tourist destination, everything is expensive, but like, it's hard to really put into words just how much more expensive. Like I, I went to target the other day and the guy took pity on me because he was like, Oh, you're what Lahaina West side. That's where you're supposed to be living. Let me price match this for you. And it took like, my bill was supposed to be like $340 and he got me down to under $200 just by price matching it to like mainland prices. Like yeah. everything is, you know, 30 plus percent more expensive here. And it's like food, furniture, literally everything. So it's uh, super expensive. So you can get stuff sent here from Amazon. It takes a lot longer and it doesn't usually show up when it says it's going to show up. Um, I don't know about super big things because I haven't had that kind of stuff sent here. I got my mattress, like mattress in a box from Costco. So um, that didn't have to be shipped, but yeah. Huh. Yeah. Mainland prices. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, I guess, yeah. With Amazon, it's all just like, it doesn't really geolocate like where you are. And it's like, okay, cool. They're going to add extra to this. Cause that would be, yeah. I guess then you just VPN somewhere and be like, cool. Yeah. I'm from, uh, you know, central California. Everything is cheap. Right. <laughs> Um, no, that that's um, that's super uh, crazy that you were down there for that. Um, did you did you meet a bunch of people like when you were going to move in? Um, did you do you have a bunch of friends? Like, did you meet people in Lahaina that um, that, like that had to, that went through it all? And you still like? Um, so I yes. Um, do I have a bunch of friends? Uh, not yet. It's been hard to meet people when the town that you're in, like, burned down. Um, so, like, I've been staying in, I have an apartment now, but for the last week and a half or so, two weeks, um, I was staying in a hotel that Red Cross generously, um, you know, was paying for. Um, so I had a place to stay, which was lovely and amazing, and they provided food and things. Um, but also... I don't know. It's hard to meet people and like make friends when everyone is sort of like traumatized a little bit. Right. Um, and all the people that I had met before the fire were through school, like the school that I was going to work at, um, I'm still going to work at um, Lahaina Luna um, in Lahaina, but the school hasn't started yet. The day of the fires was actually our freshman orientation day. It was the first day with, it was supposed to be the first day with kids. Um, and that didn't happen because there was no power that day. And then the fires happened and we've basically been closed since then. Um, it's been a bit of a mess, um, but like, those were all the people that I knew, right. Cause I spent a few days doing like teacher work days and like professional developments and stuff. Um, and then it was hard to see any of those people because everyone was sort of displaced um, or like for a few days, I literally like didn't have cell phone um, there was like no ways to get news, right? Because you're stuck um, in this place and all the roads are closed and you can't leave. Um, and there's <laughs> there's no internet, there's no cell phone service, there's no power. Fortunately, I had a car so I could get in my car and listen to the radio. And that's how I got my news for a little while. Um, but it made it hard to meet people. I, I would say that yeah. this event, while for, I would say I'm one of the lucky ones, I didn't really lose that much or suffer very much. Like, it was a bad situation and I was definitely affected. Um, and it was definitely the uh, loneliest I've ever been in my life, I think. The most isolating, I'd say it that way. It's the most isolated I've ever felt in my life. Um, but I didn't really lose everything. And it was a place that I've, I've come to love this town and the people here and they're very resilient and banding together and supporting each other. 
but I'd only been here six days, so it wasn't really home yet, right? Um, I didn't really lose home or um, like a community's worth of history and experiences there and that kind of stuff. Um, so I would say I'm quite fortunate in that, um, but it was the most isolated and lonely I've probably ever been because wow. I can't talk to anybody, kind of get forced into a corner. Like, how do teachers meet other people? Um, a lot of times they work with them and they go to school and they see them every day there, but I couldn't really do that. Um, Fortunately, I, I have met a couple people and I've played a lot of beach volleyball because the, my hotel was by the beach and I was like, oh, hey, they're playing volleyball. I guess I'll go play. Um, and so I've met some people that way. But other than that, it's it's hard to meet folks. Yeah. Well, wait, you, and you like, oh, go ahead, Rachel. I was going to say, I feel like meeting people and making friends as an adult is damn near impossible before you consider natural disasters. Yeah, I would agree like, with that. Like to this day, even like, you know, locals, I'm not gonna say that I have like many close friends. I really, maybe I'm, maybe I'm introverted, I don't know. But like I have, a decent amount of friends, but none that are I'm, I'm like really close to. You know what I mean? I have Bay, and that's about it. Oh, Bay. Oh, Bay. Bay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we love yeah, it. No, like I've, I've, I guess uh, the transition kind of like has forced me to like change around my friend group. All my friends here in Charlottesville. Like my guy friends don't want to hang out one on one anymore, and I'm not sure why. But, <laughs> I, um, but I'm like, hey, do you want to go get lunch? And like, sorry, I'm busy, or sorry, my wife doesn't want me to. Um, not that, not that they don't say that, but you can tell it's kind of in that in that vein. Um, but yeah, no, like like we had most of everything in Charlottesville is based around drinking. So um, when I started my run club app, uh, that was how I met all my friends because they just come to my like we had to hang out but yeah like as a teacher in a in a um in a, in a town like that that must be very yeah like single focus like you gotta although like i guess you could play like social sports and stuff down there right do they do that kind of thing i mean i guess that's kind of what i'm doing with volleyball a lot of the time i met some people that play some volleyball um i'm not coaching right now um i was gonna take the year off of coaching which takes up a whole lot of time. I don't think people realize how much time coaching takes. So like, oh, they're just a coach for that school or whatever. No, it takes like hours and hours and hours of your life. Um, and it's done after work. Um, so I was like, when I was still in Texas, just so you know, uh, and I was coaching, I was working like in a normal easy day was like 11 plus hours. So uh, that made it really hard to meet people. Um, and most of the people then that I met, uh, were through bars because I would go to bars fairly often afterwards because I'm like, I can't just work all day and then like go straight home and pass out. I got to have something in between. So I went yeah. to bars um, or, you know, maybe I would meet them on like dating apps or something um, that happened. So I guess a question about Hawaii, like I know around here, like there's, there's a, there's a big, like uh, young professional population around here. Like, you know, it's, a, there's, it's, Charlottesville's not a tech town, but there's, there are like tech companies here. Are there a lot of those down in Hawaii? Like, or is, is um, it mostly like touristy, like kind of the um, retail slash uh, entertainment slash bar and restaurant industry? Um, 
so I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on Hawaii yet because also like I've lived here for a month. So, you know, I could be very wrong about some of these things. Um, also, I'm on Maui, which is really small. Um, it's very small town vibes. Like the entire island has like 150, 160,000 people. Uh, like I moved here from San Antonio, which has like one and a half million. And now I'm on an island with like 150, 160,000 people. Um, so it's... Uh, I, it's not a big tech environment, I don't think. Like young professionals, I've not seen a lot of that. Um, tourism is huge. Yeah, yeah. Massive. Um, there's hotels and resorts everywhere. Um, lots of restaurants. Um, I don't know how big the bar scene is. I haven't lived here long enough to really experience that yet. Um, but there's tons of restaurants. Most people that I've met work a couple jobs. Um, even teachers usually have a second gig that, you know, helps pay the bills. Um, Are you going to get one? Uh, I don't know. Um, if I don't have to, I won't, but it might be like a summer job or something. I don't know. See what I can do in the summer when I'm not doing anything else. Um, like I know my roommate, um, she used to work at a bar, uh, every, like, once a week or something just for extra money. And also because like it gets you around a different crowd of people, different scene a little bit, you meet other people. Um, and like I've waited tables yeah. in my life. I could go back and do that. That's fine. You know, make some tips or whatever. Um, lots of kids, you know, like teenagers, high school kids working in um, the resorts and working like restaurant shops and stuff around here. Uh, right now it's a big struggle because uh, not many people coming to Maui after the fires. Um, which is, uh, I would say that's sort of a mixed bag, right? Um, a lot of people were like, we need to give Maui some space and like let healing happen. Um, but really I think that that was mostly Lahaina and the people who have families in Lahaina, the west side of Maui where the fires were. Um, and now that like no one is coming here, I won't say no one, but tourism fell off a cliff really quick. Um, the rest of the island is kind of suffering in that they all depend on like tourism dollars um, and people's jobs kind of don't exist right now because there aren't tourists coming here. Uh, so like they kind of want people to come back, but then also stay away from Lahaina because the town just got destroyed. But like there's other towns on the other side of the island and other parts of the island that have resorts that need people to show up and spend money there. Um, and that's just how dependent on tourism the island is because tourism is the big one. Yeah, it's, I mean, it seems so, like, just double-edged, though, because it's, like, some people are, like, this, you know, how dare you come here? And some people are, like, please, God, just throw us the money. Um, but, uh, yeah, not, maybe that's where we'll, uh, I'm planning a trip in January. Maybe that's where we'll go. Oh, my gosh. To get my I would say that. stay out of Lahaina. Stay out, well, maybe not all the west side. There's lots of other west side towns that probably need the tourism dollars, like Honokawai, um, Kapalua, the other places up the coast that need the money. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be living down in Kihei, which is like South Maui. And there's like resorts down here. Uh, Wailea is great. There's lots of places all over that need the money and need, you know, we'll, we'll people to show up. Free Rachel, y'all in? Let's go. Yeah. January. I'm remote pod recording on the beach in Hawaii. That would be. I need, I needed two jobs to fund this trip, but guess what? I'm here. I'm doing it. 14 hour days. Let's go. <laughs> Get it, girl. Baker um, by day, bar by night. 
It's the Hawaii life already. <laughs> um, See, I'm so, just training. I'm training for the Hawaii life. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so Sarah, um, in terms of like uh, transition, when did you when did you um, realize you were uh, trans? When did I realize I was trans? Um, I was 24 when I said the words the first time. Um, to put that into perspective, I can't say words now. Um, to make that fit in, I'm 31, almost 32 now. Um, so it was a few years ago. Um, I, but I was 24 when I first said the words um, and told the first couple people that um, I was trans and saw a therapist for the first time. And it was like, that's going to be real hard. So I'm not going to do that. Um, and shoved myself back into a closet for a little while. Um, and then um, by the time I was 28, yeah, so about four years later, um, I was like, yep, can't do this anymore. We're going to have to do that transitioning thing. Um, and awesome. so I did. Wow. Um, yeah. And so I just hit my three-year uh, oh. hormone anniversary. So I'm three years in a month now, basically. Um, yay. Um, but like, so that's when I started like the transition process, I guess, um, 2020, but like before COVID kind of what COVID was a good excuse to like actually do a lot of things. Um, but I started and it's like, I had a therapist appointment and a couple of things like right before COVID hit and then everything shut down. I'm like, well, now I'm at home. I guess I might as well just like embrace this and wear all the clothes that I want and do all the things that I'm going to do all the time. Um, which was great, you know, probably sped up my transition process a little bit. Um, silver lining of COVID, I guess, for me. Um, but yeah, I was 24 when I first said, uh, I think I'm trans. Um, that's definitely not when questioning started. I, if I had any sort of representation in my life at any point as a child, I probably would have figured this out a long time ago. Like, hell, I started wearing women's clothing when I was a teenager, right? Like, yeah. But apparently that's just, you know, normal cis boy things. Um, just no questions asked there. Um, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so our parents great. They're just, they're so, they were all so open-minded. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, I want, I want to pretend to be a girl. And like, all right, fine, go ahead and do it, weirdo. And it's like, come on, ask one question. Just ask a question. Right, right. I can remember, like, all the pink and glittery toys that, like, definitely didn't exist for me but my mom like really wanted to have a daughter I guess surprise surprise mom you had one all along it'd be great if you'd show up sometimes um but um yeah so I remember all those toys that were bought for like all the neighbor kids that would hang out like when little girls would show up I can remember like I always wanted to be like mom when we're playing house or whatever all those things I had a Barbie I remember that before I got made fun of too much and then I had to have GI Joes forever um you know I there should have been some questions asked a long time ago that never happened but then also I went to like a private evangelical protestant school for a long time and if you ever came out or asked the wrong question there you didn't go to school there anymore so that was like a forced closet that I never didn't even realize I was in but hey here I am now well you look amazing so <laughs> well uh, thank you um <laughs> So <laughs> all of you are lovely and beautiful and I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, how is it, I guess, how, um, how was it in, you weren't, you said you were in San Antonio. You grew up in San Antonio, correct? No, oh. I grew up in central Illinois, Peoria, Illinois. Oh. Um, 
so right back in the woods all right <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's certainly a place. It's a, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm glad I don't live there anymore. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I, uh, about I mean, I mean, me, myself, yes, I'll shed some light. I'm an Iowa kid and much like Danny, <laughs> I have all the good parts of Iowa colored in. <laughs> you know, I've spent a lot of time in Iowa. actually. So. I'm just kidding. I love, I love Iowa. I love my Iowa friends. Um, but no. Glad I left. Um, I get, I get that. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, I've been to Peoria a couple of times. It's beautiful. I love Peoria. I love driving through Peoria. I'll put it that way. It's a, it's a decent place to stop on your way to Chicago. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry for all of my Peoria friends out there that are still there. Um, it's okay. It's, it's an okay place. I've. I don't talk to anyone from there anymore. Um, I haven't been back in a long time, um, but it's it's fine. <laughs> when um, how old were you when you moved to Texas? Uh, so I spent the first twenty years of my life in Central Illinois. Uh, I say Peoria, actually, until seventh grade. I think seventh grade. Um, I lived in a small farm town called Bradford, Illinois, uh, about forty minutes away from Peoria, town of about seven hundred people. Um, Surrounded by like cornfields and soybean fields and hog farms. Yeah, um, right. Total, you know, yeah, seven hundred total. My dad was the mayor for a little while, and my mom was the secretary at the high school. Um, yeah, this is new. Everybody, you know, good old Midwestern life. I could, uh, growing up, I could walk across town and go to the pool in the summer, and you know, ride my bike all over the place. And how many, you know, how many kids were in your high school? Um, well, I didn't graduate from there. I didn't go to high school there. I, I left in middle school, but um, I yeah, think yeah. my. I think I had 18, 19 in my class by the time I left. I think my brothers, my brothers graduated from uh, high school there and they had like, I want to say like 16, 17. Oh. All right. I got to ask because I know we're all thinking it. I got to ask. Is everything bigger in Texas? <laughs> <laughs> um you know, I don't like that place very much. I love San Antonio. You're great. Um, is everything bigger in Texas? I don't know. The egos and attitudes tend to be. Um, Parking spaces are not. <laughs> um, no, it's not not bigger in Texas. I feel like the belt buckles are. Belt buckles, you know, gallon hats. Yeah. The, the belt buckles are bigger than what you're asking about. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, I just, um, just like every time I had, whenever I had a car in Texas, I had, I, I bought a couple when I lived in Austin and like the parking spaces, it's like everywhere that you go, they were like, how big is a car? Let's put on an inch on each side and then we'll draw the lines. And that's how big the spaces are. And then everybody, I, I heard some statistic where it was like some insane percentage of trucks are like sold in Texas versus like everywhere else in the US. And it's like, everybody wants to park these giant RAV4s or whatever, I don't know, truck. Um, I, I very clearly know cars. Um, and these- Raptors. <laughs> yeah, they're Raptors. $30,000 millionaires down there. But uh, yeah, uh, my car had so many dings from that just because uh -huh. people, they'd like, they'd be getting out with their big boots and their boots would kick the door into my car. And yeah. So. Yo, can I tell you, can I tell you, this is my Texas story right here. Doesn't even involve Texas, but it's my Texas story. So <laughs> when I was in high school, 
and subsequently in college, I drove a 97 Ford Thunderbird. Like that was, that was my whip, right? And I was, <laughs> what, Danny? That, that does. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I, I was like that cowboy wannabe. Still kind of am. Let's, let's, let's not ask. Anyway, so on my Ford Thunderbird, I mounted Longhorn horns on the front of my sports car because I was that baller. <laughs> you know, wow. You can still do that in Texas today. That'd be fine. That'd be normal. Yeah, you'd be hanging with, a, with the governor on that one. <laughs> I'm going I'm to I'm I'm pop, pop some on my HHR, my Chevy HHR now. You should see the hillbilly hurt. <laughs> oh uh, I love it. Amazing. Bay was talking that he wants to get a hearse. We were literally talking about that this weekend. That's going to be my negotiating tactic. If we get one, we're putting freaking longhorn horns on the front. Well, yeah. Why does he want a hearse, <laughs> first of all? Um... He said it attracts attention, which I mean, yes, but Bay <laughs> haven't told you this about Bay, but he actually um he's in addiction recovery. Like that's what he does for work now. He's in addiction recovery. But he originally graduated from college with a mortuary science degree. He worked at a funeral home for a good couple of years. So I'm calling it nostalgia. Okay. Oh my God. We need to get Bay on the podcast. Yeah, we do. Oh, Bay wants to be on the podcast. Let's let's <laughs> let's bring it up. What do we introduce him as? Gravedigger? The Crypt Keeper? What? <laughs> do we introduce him as Gravedigger or what's going on? <laughs> oh God. Um Wow. Oh, that is that wow. I just learned a whole bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Oh, yeah, uh, Sarah. You're. Did you buy a car there, or do you? Oh, sore subject. <laughs> I, oh, I did buy a car here. Um, I sold my car, so I had the same car as Bree, basically, except mine was older and had a lot of dings from Texas people hitting my car doors. Um, car. I don't even know what kind of car. Oh, I had a Subaru Crosstrek, you know, the Lesbaros, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Subaru. Yeah. That's how I've met a few trans girls that all drive Subaru Crosstreks, which is actually quite interesting, you know, and all spread out. I know a girl in L.A. who's taller than me, by the way, which is amazing. Um, and she also has the same car. Yeah. For the, yeah scary, right? <laughs> what you're telling me is I need a Subaru. Uh, I mean, I it's think one he, of the gayest cars, yeah. Yeah, I don't think Bay would, uh, it would probably make Bay question a lot of things. <laughs> Subarus are lesbian cars. Yeah, lesbian cars. Oh. <laughs> it's like, that's legit, though. Like, back in early 2000s, late 90s, um, Subaru was actively marketing and trying to sell their cars to lesbians. Like, it was a legit thing that they did. It was targeted advertising. Um it was real. I had a, yeah. a, a I friend. Heard something new. 
My my, my friend everyone... down in Texas like didn't know that like had had no idea, and he got a Subaru and was very like protective of it. And then like this group of girls told him, and I swear like he, the the way he looked, it could have melted steel. He looked just like this guy was the most insecure with his sexuality ever, and God, like my um... worst. My ex-spouse really wanted a Subaru. Maybe I should call her. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, by the way. Listen, I have questions. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But no, for real. For real, that was one thing that we always talked about was how she really wanted a Subaru. I mean, they're good cars. Subaru yeah. Crossfire. I mean... Like, I, get... just want an I just want an SUV. I mean, I like, well, you don't really need an SUV when you have a hearse, though, because you like look at that storage space. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you could definitely. I mean, you could, like, I, I when I got my, um, I got a Scion TC, and I asked him, I wanted to see if I could fit my drum set in there, and so instead of asking, can I fit a drum set in here, I asked, how many bodies can I fit in the back of this car? And the sales wow. guy got in and rolled over a couple times and counted how many times, and he was like, you could fit about six bodies in here. How um, many do you think we could fit in a hearse? Definitely, like at um, least a like, cool dozen. Yeah, <laughs> at least a baker's dozen. I mean, I'm just thinking if you got like Yo, a Subaru that... Outback, you could fit a casket in the back of there. You could carry some bodies. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. I gay as fuck while doing it. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh. I'm hitting I'm hitting the lap every time every time we cuss because I'm gonna I'm gonna go through we're gonna make this thing so that it's not um have we, we, have to, we have to put the little explicit flag on it now. Have uh, we had a lot of cusses? I've, I've got tried my best not to cuss. So what? Uh, I suck at it, sorry. I've got four yeah, how many? Uh, four so far. Who None of those are me. Come on, y'all. I'm sure <laughs> at least one or two of them are me. But... Oh, yeah. better. What Dad, Dad, do you not have a single one, Danny? I don't have a single no because I, I I'm, I'm keeping track of them. Oh God! So that's so that's telling me that's telling me we got two culprits here. <laughs> yeah, watching you. Okay, to be fair, I was not warned that I wasn't supposed to cuss. But <laughs> no, I've, been, I've been trying really hard not to. Like usually, I cuss in almost every sentence. Sarah, um, cuss if you fucking want to. Oh, you got one now. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, now we're at six or five. <laughs> five now. Um, <laughs> Rachel, you got to get one of us. One of us. <laughs> um, so, uh, what you say? Oh, hang on. Do I need? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what would you? What? So, if somebody wanted to move to Hawaii, what would your advice be say say i want to move to hawaii next year like early next year um my advice would be um figure out income source make sure you have money right um because everything is so expensive that you like you can't move here and think you're going to survive on like 40 or 50 grand a year you kind of got to have more than that um because everything is really expensive um i would say Figuring, well, depending on your income, um, you really got to look at uh, housing and how much that costs because uh, 
like, okay, so I was talking to Brie about this a little bit the other day. Um, like, studio apartments here are ridiculously expensive, like, just for a studio. Um, someone was advertising one to some teachers um, up on west side of Maui, um, which is one of the most expensive parts of Maui, to be fair. Um, but studio apartment, um, little, it was maybe like an ADU. They're kind of uh, called, like, um, Ohana's here, a little, like, side house, guest house type thing. Um and it was furnished in a studio, and I think it was 1800, 1900, something like that. It was about average, actually, or like yeah. 1850, something like that. That's about it average here. Sounds like almost like New York prices, kind of. Uh, I don't know if it's that bad. I, like, I don't, I don't know New York prices, um, but it's my two-two here, like with my roommate. I actually feel really fortunate that it's cheap. Um, but my half of the rent, it's, it's like 1150 before uh, utilities and stuff um, because our rent is 2300 which for a wow. two bedroom. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty cheap compared to a lot of places that I've seen. Um, it's not furnished, but whatever. Um, I've seen sometimes as low as like 1200 for a studio. Uh, it's, it's kind of all over the place, um, yeah. but that kind of limits, you know, it limits your options a little bit and requires you to have a constant income stream. Um, or you just got to get a place with a whole bunch of roommates and you can make that happen, right? Like there's a lot of people that need roommates, um, or folks that are renting out a room or something that have an extra room and want an extra income stream. Um, like I know like the going rate for just a bedroom in a house in Lahaina before the fires was like 11, 1200 for just a bedroom. Like, wow. That's crazy. Um, so, um, so Danny, free roommates for life. Yeah. Done. You know, we don't we we we'd have to get a six bedroom, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or you just I mean, need I, to have all the kids in one room. Get just get a one bedroom with a bunch of closet space. I think there's not that much closet space. Fits here, in like a dresser drawer. We'll all <laughs> sleep on air mattresses. It'll be amazing. I can bring my inflatable couch. <laughs> We'll have the whole apartment just inflatables. We'll have a bouncy castle. This is an always sunny episode. <laughs> it totally is. Like, um, with that being said, Hawaii is a wonderful, amazing place. It is gorgeous everywhere you go. Everything is gorgeous. Um, and the people have been super accepting and like super nice to me. It's, you know, a weird thing. Like it's the being like trans here is just like actually kind of normal to a lot of people. I won't say that there's a lot of trans people. I haven't just run into trans people everywhere. Um, but it's kind of funny when I'm like at the car dealership and the lady that's like writing up the paperwork is like, oh, you should meet my niece. She's amazing. She transitioned however many years ago. You guys should be friends. And just like, but yeah, that's my family. And like the like trans folks in the family that I've been told about, it's happened so many times. Like it's just normal, I guess. Um, awesome. That being said, I have not met very many queer people here, which is a bit unfortunate. Um, like on, you know, I'm on her like cloud dating app and then just oh, like okay. everyone yeah. is from like the next islands because Oahu is where most people live. That's where Honolulu is, right? Um, that's where like that city is really gay. There's lots of gay people there. I'm over <laughs> here on like, you know, the honeymoon island where all the straight people go and just like go to resorts and stuff. There are a couple queer people, um, but you know, I mean, not, not a whole lot of options so far. Must, it must be like 
I mean, like, like just busting out Tinder and basically being like, cool, do you want like a, a weak fling? I can imagine that'd be, and it's like, and it's like you, you could basically say, look, I, okay, cool. Like we can hang out. I'll show you around the island for a week and you buy me dinners and stuff. And then ta-ta. Back to the I main. That could be your tourism involvement. I you know can't imagine. Like, no, that sounds brand. like escort. Send it's a escort. bit escort. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine like planning a date around the ferry schedule. Um, I don't think there's a ferry anymore, so I'd have to take a plane, um, which is not that bad. I think round trip is like forty or fifty bucks or something to Honolulu. Oh, really? But, yeah, it's Still. not that bad. Yeah, a little island hopper. Yo, for sure. I would milk that for all it's worth. Yo, I got on a plane to come see you. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> My planes. I would. Can't I would even... milk that shit for. All it's worth. Sorry, market. Oh, you yeah. know, I, I've done <laughs> similar things. One of us. I've driven. I've driven to see girls. Um, the like the the car trip has taken longer than the flight to Honolulu would be. Right. The drive up um, to Austin isn't as is a lot longer than just taking a flight from you know Kahului in Maui to um, uh, Oahu. But also, like, I I one time. I did a weekend trip with a girl that I met on the internet um, and I flew to LA to see her and I was in San Antonio, right? So like, ah, whatever, who cares? Whatever, I'll just get on a plane and fly and go meet people. Um, I, it kind of just depends on if the housing is lined up. Like, do I get to stay there? Or is like, we are we taking this slower than, you know, I'm expecting and I gotta <laughs> like figure things out because if I'm staying with her, definitely I'll, I will buy that plane ticket. I'll be there and we can go do dinner or whatever. But if I have to, you know, she's like, yeah, a hotel room. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that's something we've all done at least once where we've done like a cross country trip or like a near cross country trip for a person. I know me, I did a um, like thousand mile plane ride for a guy once. And I was like, I was like, I'm going to stay with you. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. And then I found out that he lives with his dad. And three brothers. <laughs> What's up, fam? And, and, Literally. And, and y'all, I'm not I'm not quiet. Like <laughs> oh. it got interesting. No regrets though, I'm sure. You're like no regrets. Not a single letter. um no i mean i did fly a girl down from uh, michigan one time just to kind of see if it was a good um match i kind of felt like her pimp or like her uh client a little bit because i gave her like i gave her travel money about her plane ticket i gave her travel money to and from i've probably spent like eight hundred dollars just getting this girl here and back um, I pretty much hired an escort. It's yeah, a, yeah. It's definition. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Um. <laughs> whoops. Uh. No. No. I mean, we're still friends, though. So not an escort, right? If you're friends with them. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you meet people from the internet and you go visit them and then you say friends and, and you, you pay. Yeah. yeah. You, you pay yeah, them money to have sex with you and. Yeah. <laughs> friends and family discount. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Next time it's gonna. It's only gonna be six hundred dollars. So. Yeah. You just keep reaching discounted levels until it's free. Filling yeah. that down. Um, Did you get Sarah, a punch card? So, Sarah, one thing that I, I will I, I, that I, I um 
I'm curious about your thoughts on this because I so I live in a, in a town. My town right now is like maybe thirty six thousand people, maybe a little bit more. Um, when I came out as trans, I realized I was really limiting myself by just going after the girls. So I kind of opened it up to all like basically I I started imbibing that uh, it's about the wine, not the bottle kind of thing. Have you ever, uh, I mean, because I imagine around there, there's got to be a bunch of like surfer dudes with real hot bods and wanting to, Um, you to know, like six, five and like, you can wear heels around me, baby, if you want to. <laughs> um, you know, I haven't gotten to that level yet. Um, you know, I, there's a, like a certain like golden retriever of a himbo aesthetic that I'm like really into, like if they're just like really nice and really pretty, you know, maybe. Um, but I haven't met any of those people here. Of a Um, what? Sorry, those uh, you are oh, yeah, dogs. You're talking. Wait. So Golden like, okay, I said golden retrievers. So like, have you not noticed that like golden retrievers are like the prettiest dogs? So they just want to make you happy all the time and just like yeah. play around. Okay, Yeah. so like that's an, those are attractive qualities in men, I suppose. Like they just want to play around and like be really pretty and make me happy, right? And then I said himbos, which is like man dumbos, like he dumbos, right? Like. <laughs> Oh, 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 I thought that was like some sort of like Hawaii like slang. Like this is no, the locals no. that live on the northern side of, of Maui, the himbo. So, himbos. yeah, That but is like, my new word. Thank you for that. oh, It's now mainland slang. <laughs> yeah, I did. um, That, that is not a word from the islands. I did not. I, I, that one's from back home, I guess. I also, I also love, like, I don't know why, Danny, you just reminded me. I love the, like, vast, like, sexualities that we have on this podcast. Because we, we literally have, we literally have all the bases covered. Yeah. And it makes me happy. Yep. You got the you got the L, you got the the straight, <laughs> and you got the whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Does it have a pulse? All right, let's go. <laughs> I'm so lonely, everybody. <laughs> oh, um. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. So I, I do have one, uh, one more, like, um, I guess we're, we're, uh, we have uh, a lot, a lot of content now, but I do have one question. Uh, Sarah, what would you say your transition theme song is? Oh, I was supposed to be ready for this. Um, I would say Trying to prepare this, you. you told me once and then never again. Um, as a teacher, I would say that that was probably bad teaching um, practice, not best practices. Um, But anyways, um, I would say a, a big part of me feels like Normal Girl from SZA or by SZA is um, probably the one that I vibe with the most. I kind of love that song um, for like probably good and bad reasons, but that song is great because um, I think it's pretty easy to just want to be a normal girl when you're trans a lot of the time. Um, other than that, um, I was kind of feeling like Nicki Minaj's verse on uh, Monster, the Kanye song, um, about just like, you know, I'm a monster, but I kind of embrace this. And like, we're just going to be like badass and hot and all that stuff. And y'all kind of going to want me, but then also be afraid of me a little bit. That song, that, that verse specifically, but I like, I couldn't in my like good conscience choose a Kanye song to be um, Yeah. my trans song. So we're going with Normal Girl by SZA, even though it's not explicitly trans or anything, but like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay.
Can, Can we I just say, music? <laughs> it, stun, it stuns me that nobody, including someone from Texas, has given the answer, I feel like a woman by Shania Twain. So I hate country music. I, I will never pick country Dang. music. <laughs> oh. Am I the only one who actually grew up in a, like, you said you're from Iowa, right? You Did you grow up in a yeah. farm town? I grew up in a farm. I grew up in a farm town. I grew up in a far- farm town. I am a farm kid. I still have the cowboy boots sitting right next to me in the recording studio, America. See, I grew up resenting it. Like I grew up in a farm town and said that this is terrible. Get me out of here. And when country music have, was the only option, I, I was like, no, thank you. I got a belt buckle that duels his dinner plate. I have pearl snaps that I wear to the bank at work. Oh, like pearl snaps are great. <laughs> yes. Oh. Sorry. Guy in a pearl snap. <sighs> I have I have a black pearl snap with it's a girl with, pearl with snap. Literally glittery gold Wrangler written down the sleeve. Because <laughs> I'm a baller. All right. I'm a baller. We have learned a lot in the last 20 minutes. <laughs> um, one of these one of these days we're going to sit down to record an episode and I'm going to come in just looking like something you've seen off a of bad western. Oh my do. god. Please like in what was that Travolta movie Midnight Cowboy? You <laughs> What'd you say? What's that Travolta movie? Midnight Cowboy? <laughs> or whatever. Like a rhinestone cowboy. Uh-huh. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. No, I'm, no. I'm, I'm excited. We're going to do a bunch of like theme, um, theme stuff coming up. I have all my Halloween costumes already. Um, but yeah, it's going to be when I come on in a Pikachu onesie. Hot. You're welcome. I'm going to be a sexy Mike Wazowski. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm trying to put it together because my my daughter's gonna be boo for Halloween. So. I, I I think I may have told you, but my Halloween costume is gonna be. I bought a Cinderella dress, um, and uh, I'm gonna get a big square and put it around it and put a a heart and an X, and I'm gonna be Tinderella. Um. Oh, uh, Sarah Sarah's roommate just came in. Um, but uh, everything all good. Okay, cool. Um, well, cool. Um, I guess that's we're like at, at a minute or a minute. We're a minute at and a, half. <laughs> a minute and fifteen seconds. Uh, an hour and fifteen minutes ish. Um, <clears throat> do y'all have any final thoughts, final questions, or anything? Or Bree, you Bree, you Bree, you take us out. Take us out, girl. I'm 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 retiring. You're retiring. Okay, fine. <laughs> Thanks for watching Girl Dad Girls. This is your host, Bree. We also have Danny and Rachel and our fantastic guest, Sarah Eubank. Thank you for coming. You were amazing, as always. I forgot. I forgot. Sarah, (laughs) how how do people find you? Uh, People don't find me unless it's on a dating app, probably. Um, I'm not. I'm a teacher. I try to stay off the Internet. I don't have the socials. Okay. Cool. Well, so they don't. I can't. I don't want to post things and then get in trouble for it because that's teacher life. So. So, uh, so girls, if you want to get in touch with Sarah, what you need to do is move to Maui, um, 
<laughs> and get on her, which is yeah. a, which is a really weird dating app. Put Very that Tinder on travel mode. Wait, 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 Sarah. Are you, which one do, are you on Tinder? Uh, no, not really. But Bumble? I have it. I just don't actually use it. Her is the only one that I haven't been like. This is terrible yet. Grinder. So. We rock the her because it's Grindr. a lesbian app. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I might have to like. I'm I'm about it. You know, Danny's point where I might have to just expand because like. You know, honestly, sometimes it's real nice. dry out here. You know, there's they're real nice and they treat you real nicely, especially if you go and you talk to her like this and you're just like, hi. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Although don't open the door for them because they get really weirded out. <laughs> Strictly dickly over here, baby. Strictly dickly. Oh, all oh right. Gosh. Oh, cool. Well, that right. was um, are you sticking around for after hours? Yeah, I can stick around. Okay. And Yo. thanks for having me. It's been amazing. And I've had a really good time. And thanks for listening to all my nonsense. I don't know. All right. It's the best nonsense. All right. Well, <laughs> We'll see everybody next week. Ch tune in every Thursday. Girl Dad Girls. Get it. This has been a production of Girl Dad Girls Podcast. Check out new episodes every Thursday. If you are interested in knowing more, please email info at girldadgirls.com or find us on Instagram at girldadgirls. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe.